WebmasterRadio.fm, the destination for education and entertainment. Live from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, it's SC Gurus. Is a rainmaker? Webster's defines a rainmaker as a person whose influence can initiate progress or ensure success. SC Guru's Rainmaker comes to you each Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, bringing you some of the biggest rainmakers on the world wide web. Our guests will include major search engine executives, payment processors, advertising executives, and an array of sales and marketing pros. We invite you to join your host, Darren Pappen, also known as SE Guru, and his beautiful co-host, Brandy. SE Guru is the foremost authority on search engine optimization and has taught at conferences worldwide. Brandy is an expert in business development, public relations, and sales and marketing. Together, they bring you Rainmaker, a true crossover platform for mainstream and high-competition webmasters alike. Log into the chat, kick back, and get ready to open yourself up to a new generation of webmaster radio. It's SE Guru and Brandy, and you're listening to Rainmaker. Well, there you go, folks. It is another edition of Rainmaker, and uh, it is Thursday, November the 3rd. And we are back. We are back in full force. Yes, we are. I am so excited. The power of positive thinking. Okay? <laughs> Explain yourself. For those of you that, that perhaps don't know this, we've been displaced due to our direct... Uh, we, had a, we took a direct hit from Hurricane Wilma, and we've been displaced from our home since a week ago Monday. The stations, thankfully, have been up and running because... You know, we're always there for you. We just couldn't be there for ourselves because we had no running water and electricity. So this morning, we started in Orlando and we came down to Coconut Grove two days ago. And this morning I woke up and I said to Darren, you know what? Power of positive thinking. I am willing that our lights are coming back on today. And he said, honey, they told us they're not coming back until November 22nd. I said, power of positive thinking. I am willing them. And ironically, he went by the house. The power truck was outside. We have light. Ta-da. <laughs> the light is on. <laughs> There's no one home yet, but boy, are we going to be grateful when we walk through those doors. Let me tell you, 10 days of no power is just, uh, yeah, you get a little cabin fevered out. And uh, this one was way undercovered because I think, you know, the country was, you know, definitely, you know, Hurricane in, on Hurricane Info overload, and mm-hmm. uh, of course, a lot going on in the White House. So uh, it, it really overshadowed what happened down here. And um, you know, even when it was coming at us, it was, you know, they were telling us expect a <laughs> expect cat a one. Don't shut your houses. <laughs> Go out and enjoy the beautiful rain that's going to be tapping on you. Yes, but you know, there's unfortunately a lot of damage. A lot of lights still out. We're very grateful that we do have power back. And we were at a hotel. Um, in Orlando and then in Coconut Grove, unlike a lot of people we know who were cooking pizzas on propane gas grills at their homes, uh, who didn't have running water, who were really having to rely on FEMA delivering, you know, going out and, and delivering six hours to get gas in their yeah. cars. I mean, this definitely wasn't a New Orleans, but um, it it, uh, 
it definitely affected uh, a lot of people. You know, the, it was dark from the Keys all the way to just north of West Palm Beach. Yeah, until uh, Harrow. Uh, yeah. And across so, the state. Definitely a rough time for the last 10 days, but we are, boy, we are back. And not only are we back, but boy, we are bad. We are. And you know what? Our guest is actually such amazing timing. It is amazing timing. We have on an amazing, amazing guest. And, and the timing perhaps couldn't be any better for our little chat <laughs> with our guest this <laughs> evening. Uh, amongst being uh, the publisher for Forbes magazine, um, you know, and, and his numerous, I mean, he has so many credits to Co-founder his Co-founder of garage.com. Absolutely. With uh, Guy Kawasaki. I understand right. that he really created what uh, Garage morphed itself into. He still sits on their board of directors. Um, he co-founded the 2,500-member Churchill Club, and which, uh, let's see, which he shared a Northern California Entrepreneur of the Year Award given by Ernst & Young. He started uh, two magazines and sits on several boards. He's married with two kids, so... I have a funny feeling he's going to sound very sexy, but women, hands off. Um, <laughs> I got to ask a question. R- Rich Carlgard, uh, how in the heck do you do it? <laughs> I'd never watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> we, have no, we had no choice for the past. No, actually, yeah, we have, two, we have two young kids, and, and we decided, well, they're now 13 and 9, and we decided no TV in our house. And if you have no TV and you get up, oh, maybe just an extra hour earlier, uh, Amazing the stuff you can get done. Amen. Good wow. for you. Good wow. for you. So, you are above and beyond all of this. You are the best selling um, author of Life 2.0 How People Across America Are Transforming Their Lives by Finding the Where of Their Happiness. And you hit the Wall Street Journal. That's like the closest thing to getting like a Pulitzer. <laughs> That's amazing, and and, and I, I have to tell you, I, I've been combing through this book, thinking after all these um, natural disasters we've been having in Florida, and the cost of living, our conversation couldn't be any more timely. Yeah, and there I put Puna Gorda in one of the uh, one of the places you should move to before it got whacked last year. But uh, but um, <laughs> no, it's just it's an amazing the thing about the United States is it is so large and so diverse, and there are so many places that you can live uh, and, and find a match between who you are, the kinds of things that you like to do by, uh, by climate, by weather, by social attitude. And there's so many places in the United States that don't cost all that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, all, we read constantly about the housing bubble that exists in New York and California and coastal Florida, but you get off of some of these areas, uh, even in, in uh, uh, places like Gainesville and uh, uh, Panama City. Panama City mm-hmm. that, that, uh, that don't cost as much, and yet they're just as connected by technology as are the big coastal cities. Amen. Yeah, it's very true. And I'll tell you, when I came prior to moving to Florida, I had said, I, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts, and I actually grew up in a town called Marblehead. And I unfortunately like to say it was a town that was named after me. But I'm <laughs> um, Beautiful and, and very expensive. Y- exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it really is one of a kind. And, you know, I realized I couldn't afford to buy a house in the town that I'm from. And I thought, you know what I want to do? I want to, and I was very, very fortunate because I started a company at a very young age and, th- and that's a whole story unto itself. But I wanted to move someplace where I could be a big fish in a small pond, go someplace that wasn't completely developed yet and, you know, really create a lifestyle for myself and grow up with a community. And one thing led to another and I ended up in Concrete City, South Florida, um, which I really, really love. But you really help people identify what it is that they want, 
you know, separating, you know, capacity versus capability, what's important to them, what isn't important to them, and the stories that you illustrate in your book, I mean, like, there's so many stories in here that I can identify with. Well, good. Uh, the main mission I wanted to accomplish was to just get people to think about geography as they were thinking about their lives. Because the fact of the matter is, if you want to live in New York or California or in and around Boston or some of the heated coastal areas in, in Florida, unless you're making well into the six figures, you're not going to even have uh, a middle-class life. Right. And, uh, um, and it used to be, you know, a generation ago, it used to be that if you're going to move to a smaller community, it meant uh, a lot of compromises. You'd be off the grid. Um, you'd be out of touch. But today, everybody gets the same cable TV. Everybody gets overnight delivery, which means you can get any national newspaper right. you want. You can get fresh produce. Everybody's got cell phone coverage. Everybody's got broadband internet connections. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a, a big change has happened that the big urban media doesn't quite recognize, and that is, is that life in smaller and medium-sized communities is very sophisticated and hip and, and entrepreneurial-friendly in a way that maybe wasn't true a generation ago. Very true. I mean, even, you know, we, the, the show prior to this, one of the guests on um, lived in, lives in Boulder. And, you know, 10 years ago, you think of Boulder, Colorado, you think of a pretty, you know, beautiful, beautiful setting, pretty barren. And now there's a lot of technology companies out there that, you know, that, that's one of those places where the cost of living has soared. But people went and found, um, you know, this little diamond in the rough in the yeah, middle of the country. You know, Vail, Colorado, the ski resort, granted, most people can't afford to live in Vail, but Vail was one of the first communities in the United States to be hooked up by fiber optics. Really? But in Colorado today, because Boulder is getting up there in price, mm -hmm. um, you're seeing the other major university town, Fort Collins, um, near the Wyoming border, booming. Right. And the price of real estate is still uh, about Escalating. half what it is yeah. in Boulder. Now, that one I don't understand, because if, if you've lived in Colorado, you, you, you can understand that there, there's a tendency for this odor to kind of waft down through <laughs> Fort Collins because of, of all the... Like the, the uh, cow pastures or something. Well, the, the, there's the, uh, the, 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 the cattle, what do you call it, the... Um, I can't. I think can't can't think of the, where they raise cattle all up there, and uh, it's that's that's the irony is uh, on a they they say on a day when you can expect snow in Boulder, you, you can you can smell. You'll smell it first from uh, the wind in Fort Collins. Huh? Bingo! Oh, totally. I mean, <laughs> you really can. It's not just one of those wives' tales. Yeah. But, but you, I'll tell you that the, if I were to write the book again today, I would put more emphasis on on the university town phenomenon because. Um, I think that college towns offer the best combination of reasonable price, mm -hmm. stimulating culture, Same, yeah. um, good coffee houses and restaurants, entertainment, True. And, and, and an entrepreneurial culture uh, where you're going to have a lot of young, talented people to hire if your business takes off. If you look in, across the United States, in many, many states, the fastest-growing community is the college town. It's Madison and Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Bozeman in Missoula in Montana, it's Ann Arbor in Michigan, um, and on and on, and, uh, and all for a good reason. So for people, especially for people who are trapped in high-cost areas like San Francisco or New York, say you like it there, but you just can't afford to live the way you want to live, Right. you know, I'd say take a look at college towns. You know, and that makes a lot of sense, because when I think of, I, I like to think of myself as a fairly sophisticated person and not being around culture would be fairly disturbing to me. 
And when you look at a lot of the smaller towns, you are sort of isolated and removed. And I was very fortunate. You know, I grew up 30 minutes outside of Boston, so I had suburban living as well as city living. And that's a really brilliant point that you made. If you're in a, if you're in a college town, it, you will have more amenities, and they have, you know, acting, you know, theaters there. And you get or to you see think, these. Yeah. You think about Athens, Georgia. Um, University of Georgia is located there. The music, the rock and roll music culture is really as good as it gets in the United States. Birthplace of REM, of the B-52s, and uh, it's quite, <laughs> quite the music scene. I mean, Austin, Texas, another yeah. college town. Yeah. It's a very hip music town. So, um, you know, the, 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 the cultural amenities in these, uh, in these towns, especially the college towns, especially the ones with the big colleges, mm-hmm. um, I, I think are, uh, are uh, changing rapidly. I, I, I was born and raised in North Dakota. In Bismarck. Remote as it gets, and I never in my life dreamed that the Rolling Stones would come to North Dakota. Right, but in right. fact, they did on their last tour. Uh, came to Fargo, and I think they are again this year. Wow, Good. wow! Now let's do this for for our listeners. We we are we we're on a little bit of an abbreviated schedule tonight because. Rich has got to cut away a little early, so I, I, w- I want to get into a little, you know, nuts and bolts here as quickly as we can. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved with Forbes. Sure. Uh, a friend of mine and I uh, started a magazine called Upside, which existed in Silicon Valley and wrote about technology startups and how they were funded. In other words, the venture capitalists mm-hmm. and the investment bankers. And uh, this friend and I started it in 1988 at the dawn of the desktop publishing revolution when we saw that with a Macintosh computer and a laser printer, you could get into the magazine industry for a far cheaper uh, cost than you could before. Sort of, I mean, that's happening on a much bigger scale today with the web and blogs, but, but desktop publishing was the equivalent of blogs in the late 19. 19- 80s. Mm-hmm. And um, within a few years, we were getting amazing FaceTime uh, and interviews of the likes of Bill Gates and Larry Ellison and Michael Dell. And that got the attention of Forbes. Forbes looked into buying Upside um, for a series of reasons that didn't happen. And I ended up at Forbes in 1992 to start a technology magazine called Forbes ASAP. And wow. and from there you so took the that, step that's, up, uh, and then I became publisher of the, the main magazine in 1998, and now I sort of hop back and forth between the main magazine and Forbes.com, which is the fastest growing part of Forbes. I, I, I now have a daily blog oh. and, uh, <laughs> on Forbes.com. How do you do it? I mean, because I got to tell you, it, it's you know the blogging community is just exploding out there. And, um, you know, being involved in one of the, the biggest magazines out there, you know, look, look, writing a bestseller, father of two kids. Well, and I think we, we uh, left something out, and I apologize for stepping in, Rich, but Rich's passion is to fly planes. So he was able to take his passion, which is something that we're always pushing people to do, and create something that was really a win-win, not only for himself, but deliver something to the community to give back to a community he benefits from. Boy, I just love flying. I mean, I'm not a very sophisticated pilot. I have a, a four-seat, single-propeller plane that, uh, that doesn't go all that fast, but it sure is fun. I mean, you fly mm-hmm. across the United States, and you get to look out the front window rather than the side right. window. What, do you, what, what is it you're flying? 
It's a it's a Cessna 182 Skylane. Oh, yeah, very yeah. Cool. We we st- we started taking our lessons in the what is it the one one seventy two one seventy two. Yeah, for you. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that was awesome. He's a natural. I loved it. It's you my, should have seen her first taxi, you know, went down the runway. <laughs> with I, your feet. Yeah, you know, I right. was. I was like a drunk. They're like, you know, you get pulled, you're going to get pulled over for drunk driving. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was great. How long have you had your license? Um, not very long, only since 2001. Wow. And then I got my instrument ticket a year later, and uh, which allowed me to fly around the country and, and nav, you know, fly in, fly in the clouds. So. Wow. Do your kids, your fa- does your family like to fly yeah. with you? Yeah. In fact, two weeks ago, we flew, uh, I keep the plane, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, mm-hmm. and I kept the plane, keep the plane in Palo Alto, uh, at the Palo Alto Airport, and we flew from Palo Alto to Orange County Airport for a Disneyland trip. Oh, hey, very cool. That is cool. And what a nice, I, I think that is so great when there's things that, that you're very passionate about and your family can share in them as well. And the kids aren't too far behind for them to really start understanding, you know, how to fly the plane and really helping you out, too, which is so great for them to have that kind of exposure. Well, it's, I like to think that it's also in a kind of Forbes tradition. I mean, uh, I never met Malcolm Forbes, who died in 1990, so, um, but he was an inspiration. Uh, anybody who wanted to do anything in magazines, particularly business magazines, looked at Malcolm Forbes as a hero. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he was a great adventure, motorcycling across China in the early 80s, right. ballooning here and there. And there's something, you know, we're so privileged to live in the United States where the, the there are these opportunities to do things that it's a tragedy to at least not try. Good because for some you. of the most yes. fun you have is when you tried... Uh, Tried and failed, but but but, yes. but did it in a noble effort. Yes, right, you right. know, I never I never quote celebrities, but um, and I don't know if I'm going to do her justice. But Barbara Streisand was once interviewed, and they said, "Oh my God, Barbara, you know, you are an accomplished, you know, singer, songwriter, producer, director, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How do you do it all? You know, and how do you do it all so well?" And she said, "You know what? When an opportunity comes to me, and it seems like it's one that could actually benefit me and help me grow as an individual, I'm afraid." I really am afraid. But the bottom line is, if I don't do it, I'll always live in the, in the fear that I never did it. And it'll be at the back of my head. And you know what? If I do do it and it doesn't work out, well, hell, it's behind me. And if I do, then it allows me to take on the rest of my life with more fervor and passion. And it makes like the, you know, the other obstacles in life a lot easier to jump over. Yeah. And, you know, I think in the United States, we don't recognize how unique in the world that we are in that we don't. We don't permanently punish people for failure. I mean, you can go out and fail uh, in business and and, uh, and try again. Right. Mm-hmm. Most people know that if you you know if it was an honest failure, um, you're not going to be held to account for it. You can fail in your career and pick another career. Uh, this is you know, the U.S. is the land of of reinvention, mm-hmm. and I think it is it is one of the things and probably a crucial thing that separates us from. From Western Europe. I mean, hello, the thigh master. Yeah. <laughs> or, or how about Steve Jobs? I mean, he gets right. thrown out of the company that he created, Apple. Right. right. He goes off and starts a company called Next Inc., which, is, which mm-hmm. bombs. Right. Um, and then he comes back into Apple and leads its resurrection. Right. And, right. And, 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 oh, by the way, he starts Pixar, and that's a huge hit, too. Yeah. But he had, uh, he was, um, um, he was, you know, at his low point in the late 80s, after he'd been thrown out of Apple, his friends put him on a suicide watch. He was so depressed. He uh, was the butt of jokes. 
Um, he could have easily kind of crept into a cave and not come Absolutely. out. Absolutely, yes. Wow. yes. The country would have been worse off, yes. off for it. Wow. But you know what? Like you said, thank God for second chances and for you know for yes the american public is absolutely and positively a lot more open-minded to allowing people to you know expose themselves and i think especially um you know for for some of their failures and accept them for who they are and go forward in a positive way and my little mantra in life is always you know you can fix everything in life except for death yeah i don't even know about that (laughs) i mean you know so now what what's your what was your biggest failure that's a tough one. Well, I would say too. I mean, I, I was very late, late to um, to get started in my career. It was only really uh, um, starting the Churchill Club and then Upside Magazine. Well into my thirties, that I began to get any footing at all. So I had a lot of series, a series of a lot of little failures from the time I got out of college till you know for the first ten years out of college. It just didn't seem like life was working for me at all. So I was kind of a late bloomer that way. I would say my biggest failure as a as a journalist and a commentator is that some of the shenanigans that I saw at the peak of the tech bubble um, were ones that that every instinct screamed out wasn't right, uh. and I didn't write about it. I remember I report this in the book. I met backstage the uh, CEO of a company called Global Crossing, which is a tech high flyer. In the late '90s, right, and he, uh, the, the CEO, acted more like a mafia don than a real entrepreneur. He didn't have that. A real entrepreneur has a combination of um, of zealotry, but but tempered with a kind of humility. Um, mm-hmm. uh, real on the best entrepreneurs aren't entirely cocky. Uh, they're 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 they they fervently believe in their product, but they're they have realistic doubts about. Other things. Well, this guy um, wore a suit that cost more than his laptop. That's always a bad sign. Uh. You know, you can do that later in life after you're successful. <laughs> he had a bodyguard. What? Uh, they spent more on his uh, on his video than than anything, and it just all looked like a fake company. It, right. It looked like a financial engineering job designed to get this IPO out right, the door and the through. stock price as high as it could. Right. And I just knew that, and I didn't write about it. Yeah, yeah. So now, what did you? So no. So what you're saying is you're learning as you're, you know, to to listen to your gut more and react yeah. and trust yeah, yourself. Yeah, that's absolutely it. That mm-hmm. is absolutely it. Don't be afraid to go against the grain. Be independent in your thinking. Um, if people reject you for that, so be it. Um, but uh, at least you won't be. At least you won't have that uh, burden of knowing you're a phony. You, you know what? Yeah, because at the end of the day, you're the only person who has to get up. And look in the mirror in the morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rich, quick question. I, yeah. know, I know I know, you got to cut out here in just a couple of minutes. But we're not going to let you. <laughs> He's got <laughs> a doctor's I'm appointment. Go bottom of the hour. Yeah, no, I know. Bottom of the hour. I promised. I He's got a doctor's appointment. Let me ask you this. It, we, we know what your passion is in flying. In business, looking at, at what you've accomplished as, as, a, as you've just self-proclaimed a late bloomer, what's your passion about what you do? day-to-day in business? Well, in the business of, of publishing, uh, my passion is standing up um, in the columns I write for Forbes and in my blogs and, and the speeches I give, standing up for entrepreneurial values, mm-hmm. standing up for the, the, you know, an environment um, where somebody can come out of nowhere and create a company that can change 
can change the world. True. Um, I think that, uh, you know, that... And I go further and say that I, I believe that all that has to rest on a moral foundation. I sometimes, get, sometimes the angriest letters I get are from people who fervently believe in capitalism, but not the need for an underlying moral foundation. Amen. Uh, to Thank support you. it. Uh, you know, that's, you know, we can do like 18 shows on that topic. Yeah. Wow. Alone. If capitalism, if capitalism were purely about um, uh, exercising your greed, hoping that it would all work out collectively in the end, mm-hmm. I think... I think we'd actually lose this great system we have in the space of two generations. You know, I think it. I think capitalism. You know, the best entrepreneurs are the ones who really do serve people's needs. There um, you go. And uh, um, and do and, and delight people with great products and great services. And passion. I really think, like every personally, every entrepreneur that I've ever met that's inspired me. It's they're passionate. Passion's oh, yeah. contagious, you know. And positive energy breeds positive energy. Yeah, well, I mean, with Steve Jobs, he's so passionate. It's called the reality distortion field. Right. People well, who don't know him think you think, gosh, this guy is the biggest BSer that I've ever met. But hey, that was my license plate for like t- yeah. twelve years. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Being Brandy Shapiro, she was able to secure that from yeah. from, from Mass. Uh, yeah. Anyway, listen, it is the bottom of the hour, but I, I'd like to I'd like to I'd like to ask one thing before I let you go. Uh-huh. Since we got a, just a tad bit ripped off time wise, can I ask you to come back one more time? Absolutely, be happy awesome. to. Awesome. Are yeah, you? Hopefully, would... uh, my other ear will be working. I'm talking. Oh. My earpiece is held up to the one ear that's hearing right now. Yeah. You know what? No. Thank you. Thank you so much for keeping this interview with us. I know that you're not feeling well, and that's awesome. If it makes you feel any better, I was at the doctor's <laughs> yesterday. yesterday. Um, but yeah. definitely, you guys, everyone listening, we are going to have a part two with Rich Carlgaard. Rich, um, are you going to be at Ad Tech next week? Um, you know, I'm not. I was supposed to be there and something knocked it out. Oh. Well, you know what? We will definitely catch we'll, up we'll soon. We'll hook up for some reason. You better believe Absolutely. it. You better believe it. All right. We will catch up with you soon. Good luck with the doctor. And uh, again, thanks for coming on tonight. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank All you righty. so much. Look forward to talking to you again. Uh, you got as it. do we. What okay. a nice thing. What a nice and interesting man. Down to earth. Totally cool. And you know what? It, it was like I wanted to ask I mean I have a million more questions to ask him like okay great now that you understood right. you know sort of like this is what was keeping you back was you weren't listening to your gut you know like how far back can you look and go oh my god you know right. I, I, I could have been you know it would have should have could have but it's interesting to sort of look back and see the you know the perspective you have now versus previously yeah God, I didn't want to let that interview go. I know. All right. (laughs) Folks, stay with us. We're going to jump out for our first break of Rainmaker tonight. And uh, wow. I mean, what an interview. What a nice guy. Are you charged? Are you charged? No, I'm like, you know, I was just, and I hate that. You know me. I don't like to rush things. That's why we do this for an hour or an hour and a half sometimes. So I, the, 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 the tip of the iceberg, we're going to get him back That's here right. soon. We're going to take questions and comments tonight. We're going to open up the phone lines, I think, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back.
Over 4,000 clients around the world are utilizing effective content-based solutions from InfoSearch Media with the expertise of over 200 professional copywriters to work for you. Studies show that the number one factor visitors consider before making a purchase online is trust. And nothing creates more trust and loyalty than well-written, informative content. High-quality content also generates free search engine traffic. Content is definitely king. Visit InfoSearchMedia.com today. The innovative services of Load.com help you easily maximize your business and bottom line. Since 1999, Load.com has offered premium web applications and business solutions for companies worldwide. Set up business and private mailboxes. Track marketing and website traffic. And assure a professional design for your website with Load's email, web stats, and DNS services. Save time. Save money. Load is your reliable source for professional web applications and business solutions. Visit Load.com. That's LOAD.com and get loaded today. Do you sell a product or service with monster potential in the online market? Then attack the opportunity to turn your dreams into reality. Equipped with flexible e-commerce software from MonsterCommerce.com, you'll possess complete control of your store, including your storefront's design, maintenance of your products, and management of your online orders, and all with the technical support and service. Available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Grow your business today with MonsterCommerce.com. back we are we are very interesting rich carlgard publisher forbes.com best-selling author life 2.0 all sorts of cool things i, mean, I just want to know how like how he how he got himself from bismarck north dakota how does he how does he keep his sanity i mean this is a busy man he is i mean truly i i i, I would say that th- this guy has most definitely had to have managed and mastered his organizational skills mm-hmm. beyond belief. He seems, and we'll explore this further, he seems like the kind of person who is deeply introspective, knows what his values are, and what isn't, you know, he understands his values, and I think he just prioritizes, is what it seems like, and he does what he needs to. And then he also knows the things that really are he's passionate about, and he finds a way to facilitate it. Indeed. And you know what? That's, I can't wait. And I can't wait to hear a small town boy from Bismarck. I mean, like, don't people in Bismarck get like, like become ice cubes? <laughs> <laughs> it's cold in Bismarck. Like, chiseled out. I mean, I want to know how he burst out of his ice cube uh, in Bismarck. I, I, and <laughs> X got in the chat room saying Bismarck sucks in the winter, got relatives there and spent an occasional holiday there. So, um, yeah, it, but it's it interesting to can see. Be tough. Yeah, but it's interesting to see. I mean, where you're brought up is what you know, and that's like the you know that's home to you. But it's interesting but to it's, see. You look at what he wrote. It's like that's really kind of irrelevant anymore. You know, based on how the American culture has evolved, bandwidth. You know, broadband everywhere these days. Yeah, but you know you, what? Take you, you know what I mean? Oh, from a communications, and this is sure. I think this is very interesting. From a communication standpoint and the fact that so many people, quote unquote, you know, satellite work or telecommute or whatever, um, but definitely over, and I don't know, I think this is in a weird way a sad-ish thing, 
It used to be the North versus the South. Yeah, Yankee. Uh, uh, Yankee, which I'm, a, I'm proud to be a damn Yankee, and a Southerner. Um, that would be I, me. <laughs> which would be you, but I, I do that lovely Southern drawl. I don't. I don't have the Texan accent. I'm sorry, but no, I don't. I don't think I do either. But I love that honey drip sort of sound. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I love my wife. She's amazing. <laughs> I'm a freak, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, someone's probably going to pull that blur out and use it for a promo now. Thanks. Uh, so, but, there you go. But it's it's interesting to see that each you know it used to be very um, areas were more ethnic centric. Right. So to speak, they were more, you know, the North versus the South were very much divided. The cultures were very much different. The food was very much different. And now if you get off a plane and you go to, oh, they're all pointing at me from Studio B. Yeah, right. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> all right, stop that. It takes, stop a little, it, takes, it takes about 30 seconds. I need a for, shade for, for that for, glass window. For, for, the, uh, <laughs> for the feed to catch Studio B. And when it does, you, get, you catch the laughs going on over there. So they, they found another sound bite. <laughs> Lovely. Lovely. Taken out of context. Anyway, uh, but the point is, if you get off a plane today in Atlanta, you know, and someone blind, you know, took away all the, you know, the, you know, the, the, you know, the signs that said that you were in Atlanta. You can't really, you know, there's no difference between Atlanta versus Virginia versus, and I don't mean to insult anyone, versus almost Boston. There's that, that cultural shift has, has really sort of evaporated. Where like a city is a city. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Yes and no. I mean, you know, there, there, uh, there's, there's a ton of cultural differences that you'll, you're going to find from city to city. The communications thing you've talked about it, you know, is, is pretty dead on. But, you know, I, I think, you know, with what Rich was speaking about tonight and with what he writes about, you know, in his book, um, you know, you, you, you've, you've got to find, you know, you've got to find your own passion and what makes you happy where you are in your surroundings, and you've got to pursue that. A hundred percent. And know what it is. You know, I think so, sometimes we end up, you know, living our life, you know, not based on who we are and what we want, but what we think, you know, what other people, other people have agendas for us, what they want for us, what we think we want for ourselves because of what we've been served up by society, um, by the feeling that we've got certain obligations that we need to meet and exceed. And yet, you know, I actually read this story, uh, several stories in Rich's book that tell how people problem solved, that they got themselves where they wanted to go and they were able to identify what they want. And I think that that's like a huge step. Forget about even moving someplace, right. but is really knowing what it is that you want. Not what you think you want, not what other people want for you, but what do you want? Amen. Do you want me? Oh, I do. <laughs> my, be- my beautiful I wife. I love you. She's I awesome. And I've got the most spectacular husband. There's another soundbite for you. <laughs> 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 Folks, but, we're going we're gonna to open up the, uh, the, the, the telephone lines if, if you're not afraid to call in and, uh, and talk about what, what your passions are in life yeah, and in business. And, and what you want. What and what you, you want. want. And what are you doing to get there right and now? And what you're doing to get there, pick up the phone and call. You can call toll-free, 866-345-6631. Or you can, if you're uh, somewhere down here in the South Florida area, like uh, Eurotrash is saying, he's looking for to close a deal on a place here in Southeast Florida. Close the deal, my friend. Close the deal. Get your house. Come on down. I'll take you sailing. I was out sailing at <laughs> 2.30 in the morning with Mr. Intern, and uh, you, you can't beat 
you can't beat South Florida. I used to hate Florida, but I, I'll tell you, uh, Florida has a, um, you know, Rich talked about it earlier. You, you know, this is one of those warm coastal spots. The cost of living is uh, definitely different. Through Try, the roof. Trying to buy a house here. But, but you know, I, I'm but of the firm opinion. the coastal, the coastal, you know, correct. because you can't recreate the waterfront. There's only so much waterfront space, although there are waterfront, uh, you know, areas that are still not as populated as others where you can buy low. Right. And watch the community grow up around you. Right, right, right. That's that's true. Um, you know, for us, you know, we we lived right on the intercoastal for a while. And uh, that was that, that was that was interesting. <laughs> Nina, Nina, give it up for Nina. Uh, we were <laughs> right across some shooters. If anybody knows anything about uh, Fort Lauderdale, this this uh, this little eatery, um, you know, boat boat bar, if you want to call it that. What do you what, what would you call it? It's a bar restaurant right on the intercoastal in Florida. It's kind of like a Florida institution, and yes. every Sunday for like the past four hundred years, with the same MC who tells the same bad jokes, they have a hot body contest with like the same 12 girls. <laughs> so every Sunday at three o'clock, you could, you know, the, the, the uh, yeah, wafting the, across the intercoastal. Let, let, the, let the ocean breeze kind of carry the sound from, from the, uh, the hot bod contest would blow across the intercoastal and we, we'd be, you know, we'd have the balcony door open there and you, you'd hear Nina, give it up for Nina. It'd just drive us insane. But, you know, the, the, when you think about it, the, the thing about living in, um, in a, in a, you know, warm climated area, like, like we went to St. Bart's recently. Oh, Oh, now talk about like <laughs> paradise. I mean, I'm sorry. Paradise Island is lovely in the Bahamas, but true, in my mind, true paradise, St. Bart's. Run there now. Ask Rich if he'll fly you there. No, let's ask Rich if he'll fly us there. Yeah, there you go. Come on down on that plane, Rich. <laughs> we'll, we'll head off to, uh, to St. Bart's. Uh, I, but I think he has to have a special license to land at that airport. Ah, well, that's that's, uh, that's, that's what I'm told. To, you you saw that landing true, strip. That's true. It's short. Every every <laughs> every pilot that actually lands that's in St. Bart's has to have a special license to be able to land there because you can only land one direction <laughs> and you come in over the mountain and drop hard and fast onto a, a very very short runway, or you end up in the ocean. You can't land the other direction because you'll run right into the mountain. So, um, you know, St. Bart's is definitely something, you know, we, there's a quality of life, you know, that I, I think, you know, when you look at, 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 at the title of the book, honey. Life 2.0, how people across America are transforming their lives by finding the where of their happiness. All right. So I, I want to use a guy in St. Bart's as an example, though, right? Because, okay. you know, he's talking about America. But there's. No, 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 no. There's not just America. There's this couple in this in the book that just very, very briefly are like, like, this is like the envy couple, you know, worked in PR and blah, 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 blah. Long, long story. As a matter of fact, they're Bostonians, which makes it even cooler, except they're from Worcester. Um, which is cool because they have a great concert hall there. Anyway, um, and they ended up moving to PR professionals, ended up moving to Turks and Caicos, started um, a, a PR firm in Turks and Caicos. And it took them a while for them to find sort of what their, 
what their rhythm should be when they move to the islands because I thought, oh, maybe it should be a dive shop. But then right. they're like, I don't have an idea how to, you know, A, I don't know how to run a dive shop and B, we'd have to work seven days a week in order to make ends meet. Right. And yeah, they, they uh, I think it was Turks and Caicos is where they landed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, what, what I'm speaking of is, um, you know, yeah. we, we, we were on the, on the wind jammer. And for those of you who, who aren't, you know, maybe you're not familiar, you've probably heard of, you know, the barefoot cruises. Um, God, I love being barefoot for the entire week. Oh, you know, I, do I was too. just barefoot. I, I still have my, my, my toe painted red from, you know, supposed to be pink from, you know, the, the, the pink toe crew that, uh, was, was on deck for, for a crazy, you know, windjammer party. And, um, uh, windjammer, you know, if you know anything about, you know, boats, it's beam 60 feet wide beautiful wooden deck 298 feet long 22,000 square feet of sail area hoisting the sails to the sound of bagpipes playing amazing grace it's awesome. out across the caribbean mm-hmm. so we land uh in saint bart's and we decide not to do the typical island tour where you sign up for it on the boat you know right we're gonna do our own thing you know us and a couple other couples well we we managed to negotiate uh, our own private tour with this very awesome taxi driver that that at first we thought was a little quirky, right? Because he was, do, you know, like all of a sudden he pulled over on the side of the this road. Was awesome! This was awesome. This was really tripped out. He, he and you know, it's it was a little warm, you know. So we're like opening the windows, you know. But you know, spectacular views from no matter where you are in St. Bart's. And uh, you know, he said he'd be right back. That he needed to go take something to his friend who was over on a bulldozer, right? So, you know, we, we were like, okay, whatever. This is <laughs> kind of yeah, yeah, an interesting yeah. pit, pit stop on, uh, on, our, on our paid tour. Right. Now, you know, <laughs> first you see the house of Rudolf Nureyev. Second, you go and you, you know, yeah. So, but I mean, it was really cool. So he, he stops, he hands, he hands the bag. And it was just a bag of knips. Which he explains to us what knips are. Knips or are these little fruits. They're like little kiwis with pits in them. Kind yeah, of. they've got little little pits. And, and um, so he comes back and he drives down this. And he this, offered us, don't forget. Right, like, he, he offered us I mean, all knips. Like, so nice. Right, yeah, so we're all we're knipping it. Knipping it up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know he takes us, you know, takes us around this one particular road that looked like it was private, mm-hmm. right? And he takes us up to this one, you know, top spot for the most m- majestic view mm-hmm. of the Caribbean from the top of you know where he said was one of the highest points on Saint Bart's, and he began to explain the pet stop with the gentleman on the bulldozer and this gentleman on the bulldozer he was dressed as casual as could be i mean he's working on a bulldozer Mm -hmm. he was bulldozing road and as it turns out this particular gentleman driving the bulldozer owns all sorts of land (laughs) on the island like like a majority like i i I and this gentleman went on to tell us like all about him and his family. They own resorts on St. Bart's. They've sold resorts on St. Bart's. I think they sold um, a resort, was it to David Letterman? Yep. And it's just so neat because here's this man who, you know what, like if if, if someone said to me, and it's interesting because in Rich's book, you know, people, he was mentioning that, um, I guess, 
people were saying, you know, hey, we're moving out of the San Francisco area, we're moving to these, you know, uh, unsophisticated towns. And Rich thought, wow, you know what? I would think people would be too snobby to say that they were moving to like, you know, Booneyville, right, USA. Right. And it's just neat when people like know who they are and have confidence in it. And they're like, they're cheese centered. Cause this guy was like in his fifties, multi, multi, multi-millionaire time and time over again. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. And yet, and was selling was a hotel. Doing, yeah. Right there for, he, I think he was asking 10 million or. No, no, I think it was more like 20 something. But anyway, but that's not, but the, what, but the part that was so. His passion was. Being in that bulldozer, making his road. Yeah. That they think at the end, the St. Bart's <laughs> government told him he couldn't have a road. So he said, you know what? I'm working on this road. It's still on my property. I'm going to make a road. And I guess the only people that are allowed to use it are like him, his staff, his family, who, you know, yeah, and then pri- the private. taxi driver right. who was also a friend of his. But like, what a cool thing. This man didn't care. He was like, I love a bulldozer. And how cool is that? No. <laughs> no, but like, I'm, I love a bulldozer. No, but you know what? I'm jealous of that. Dot com. But how do you know? Like, how do you, how do you know? Like, that's something that you would love to do. That's, you know, that's someone who's exposed themselves to so many things that they really got to know what they liked and what they didn't like. And because if someone said to me, you know, Brandy, you know, what do you think about bulldozing? I mean, I think it would probably be fun to try it once. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I have to drive. You know, Randy will drive a golf cart, drive a bulldozer. You crack you know? me up. But you, you crack me up. But I love that that about that guy. He was really cool. You know what? Uh, with that, we're we're gonna we're we're gonna run off to another break because, <laughs> <laughs> because some of the comments of the chat. David Ogletree's going. Did I hear cheese? He's hearing a little bit of cheese, <laughs> just a tad bit of cheese. What's the cheese? You know what? Time to go find a mouse. That's for. The- <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, Euro Trash, you're right. That's a you're, that statement in the chat room is dead on. He said the last minute of your flight to the St. Bart's Airport is well, you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Stay with us, folks. We are gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a couple of minutes. choose the right affiliate program to partner with. All we're trying to do is make the most money in the least amount of time. The answer is simple. JoeBucks.com, the world's leading herbal affiliate program. JoeBucks.com is the direct manufacturer, so there's no middleman. This will allow you to make up to 50%, the highest payouts on the net, and also get paid twice a month. Sign up today and watch your income grow. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN-accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R. More than a name. It's all about links, baby. 
Content is king, but links are what you need to get you those all-important organic search listings. Float to the top of your keyword listings within the major portals while driving targeted traffic to your website at the same time. Work with a company with a proven track record for delivering results for thousands of individual website owners and major Fortune 500 companies. TextLinkAds.com is your source for securing relevant links. Baby, TextLinkAds.com. Commercials off. Now back to Rainmaker. Coming up into our home stretch, just the last few minutes here. Oh my God! And we get to go home to electricity. Home. Home. I mean, I mean home. home. Really? We're 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 getting to go home tonight. We, yeah, we get to go home for two days and then not come home for, <laughs> for three. Well, what no, is it's it? Eleven days. Eleven actually. days. It's eleven days. Stop! Uh, stop! I keep saying me out three, three weeks. weeks. I know it's, it's only it eleven seems days. Like, seems like three weeks because we've been gone for eleven days already. We'll be gone twenty-two days in totem. <sighs> Which is really sort of bearing on me, but you know what? You got to do what you got to do, and we really—I have to say—we had at Knockwood very, very good. There were so many people who. Well, we were, got out fast. Yes, that was that was part of the drill. We didn't wait behind, and had we waited, we would have been in <laughs> trouble with gas. With every, I mean, we would, we would have been stranded on the side of the road, and no one would have been able to help us. I have to say, um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna pay a little homage to my husband here. Because he was brilliant. That's not necessary. Um, I mean, he was a little weird because he actually slept through like like the biggest hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> I, I lay there like a little soldier thinking, if I try to make myself small, if I try to make myself small, nothing's going to come flying through the window and spear me. But um, but really what happened was we had friends, a bunch of us, because we always know we are going to lose electricity in South Florida when a hurricane comes through. We had made arrangements to stay at a friend's hotel on the beach. And I, my girlfriend, you know, friends of ours um, who actually... Um, the hu- her husband is a host on her radio. I can just say, hey, Monty Khan's wife called me and said, "Oh my God, you know all the windows in our cars blew out, and no one had known because we were up working. Knewing we knew that electricity was going to go out, so we'd been up working until five o'clock in the morning, and it really just seemed like, you know, like it was we were just going to get a couple of puffs of wind and it was going to be gone. And the day before, we got this weird flash storm." In our neighborhood, that put the electricity out. It so was we very weird. It was, uh, yeah. And I mean, it had news coverage, and it had him calling Channel Seven, telling them, you know, like, okay, enough B-roll already. If you can't edit something get, together, you need know, to like get the helicopter out from over the house already. Come you know, on, you don't need that much B-roll. Right. I worked for NBC in Houston for years. I know. So come on. Yes. So right, and when he did, it was amazing. He called, he yelled, they listened, <laughs> and they moved on. So she, after the hurricane hit, and we we got up. And she said, you know, we can't go. Oh, no, no. She had said that they couldn't go anywhere. So I said, okay, we're on our way. We'll come pick you guys up. And she called and she said, we can't go to our friend's hotel. He has too much damage. She said, find us a hotel to stay at. I said, okay. And unfortunately, I didn't listen to, you know, like they tell you to fill your tank up all the way. But I hadn't filled the tank up all the way. It was oh. a half a tank of gas. Oh. And literally... You know, we we came with like one computer, um, a sail bag full of clothes that was like two outfits, not even my mother. Um, 
And we just started driving north. And when Darren realized, when we realized how much devastation there truly was, and there were no hotels to be gotten, and we drove by the offices, and things were looked like a bomb, like a had bomb gone had gone off, yeah. and chunks of of cement strewn all over the place, not knowing yeah, like where the source dri- was. Yeah, when you're driving down the freeway, mm-hmm. and there are no buildings on either side of the freeway, and you see six to eight inch thick chunks of cement scattered all over the freeway mm-hmm. but there's not any buildings around like, anywhere to be seen from? It, palm trees i mean palm trees too true you know we have a friend uh who whose house um had a view of like a like a, a, a sanctuary and the yeah. entire wooded grove sanctuary does not exist he now has which i i think will end up in the end being better for him but he's got a view of biscayne bay now right I mean, the where there was devast- once forest. <laughs> when there once was forest. Um, so a lot of devastation. And Darren said, you know what? This is what we're going to do. We are going to drive until we can find gas. We are going to go north because we know this thing definitely came in through the south. Once we get, so we called Dan and Monty. We said, listen, once we find gas, once we get settled, we will come back and we will get you guys. And uh, fortunately for them, like freaky how freaky goes, they uh, actually had electricity in their one little area down the Keys, and uh, they actually were able to go and and get get and, get, and get shelter yeah, and get, get business. Going. And I think Monty put up like some of his people, right? And um, it was weird because I, I I knew right away when I'd walked out of the house after having slept through this thing, um, the trailing you know feeder band was just going past us. Like, you know, you, you could see it and you could still feel the wind. And uh, when, when uh, y- you know, there were other people coming out of their homes uh, kind of trying to assess the damage. And I realized when, the, the moment I realized when it was time to run was when a gentleman neighbor asked if I had seen his tough shed. Yeah, that that, that uh, the tough shed in his backyard was gone. And uh, he actually found it four houses over. In someone else's backyard, and that was the point at which I I turned and I ran back into the house. We had no running water. I looked at her. I said, "Grab your mom. Grab your clothes. Grab anything we need. We need to get the hell out of here now." Right. Except you thought, or maybe my perception of it was, we weren't leaving for good. We were just getting yeah, right. some stuff and getting out. I don't mean leaving for you know. Yeah. I, we anticipated that we'd be going to a hotel within a twenty mile radius and coming back and getting stuff. I mean, thank God. You know, um, kudos, well, kudos. O- Ogletree saying you did not leave early. You left at the last possible second. No, Ogletree. We left after it had passed. We were there through Ooh. Wilma, and Wilma was just overhead, and the last feeder band, you know, kind of whipping us up, and um, we decided we were we were gone. We were getting the heck out. Uh, there well, was, and there was no, there was nothing to stay for. We'd already, my God, every it looked like a giant had walked down our street. Every street light was not only was it in half, okay, literally folded in half, but then broken out through its base. The transformers on people's cars. I mean, like there was no way. You know, like there's always like the hope that the electricity is going to come back after a storm. There was no hope. Right. This right. Week. So yeah, we. Uh, <laughs> We are glad that tonight we get to go home because oh, it's God. it's been a long, long 10 days. And you know what? I really give so much credit to people who, like a lot of our employees ended up not being able to leave because they didn't have the gas. 
they didn't have the where you know they, they didn't have the ability to get out because people didn't say, fill their tanks. Mr. Producer was actually cooking a frozen pizza. Uh, he he's opening up the thing. You, you you were cooking a frozen pizza on a propane stove, right? You gourmet cook. He's like the gourmet. I mean, cook this is like things that like people don't even <laughs> want to remember anymore. I mean, but it but it's true, and really, uh, you know. There wasn't gas to be gotten. Like there was six-hour waits for people to get gas. I don't know really what this is a lesson in, except for us to be thankful for the things that we do have. Indeed, indeed. And you know what? We've come to the to the top Yay. of it, I the close. Wanna, but before we home. get out of here, what I'd like to I'd like to reemphasize to everyone: uh, we are uh, headed towards ad tech. No, wait. We are headed to ad tech. Okay. <laughs> don't make me come over there. Oh, come over here. Don't make me. Oh, I don't think I have to make. Don't you. make me come over there. <laughs> so not. There's go. more promo I'm material. Not, it's not taking that any further. <laughs> uh, we are headed towards ad tech towards to new york city uh on sunday and uh then we're gonna head on down to ontario california for the portable media expo a true geek fest uh it's uh, a podcasting uh very first podcasting right. conference that'll be very uh, interesting so then uh then we'll be <laughs> heading on out to to webmaster world Woo! Ooh. A little PubCon action going on Hey, and there. you guys do not forget, there is still plenty of time if you have not signed up for PubCon. Go over to www.pubcon.com and sign up. And let me tell you something. This is, I, I really give Brett Tabke a ton of credit. Um, I don't know for what. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I really do. I, I, give, I, I give Brett Tabke a ton of credit because if it wasn't for his insistence, we wouldn't have launched last year. Uh, at Webmaster World, and he puts on a hell of a conference with top quality speakers. Head on over to pubcon.com and uh, get signed up today. Indeed. Where um, Darren will be speaking. I, I will be speaking. And I may be moderating. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, listen to you. Listen to you. And, and actually, um, I, not before noon. No, not before noon. Uh, and folks, also, uh, mark your calendars coming up soon here, the first part of December, Search Engine Strategies yes. in Chicago. Cold, bitter cold, but extremely worthwhile. A fabulous group of people. Great show. Once again, great show. Um, I'll be speaking there as well. We'll be talking yeah. about podcasting with uh, Amanda Watlington, and um, it's a heck of a lineup. Uh, some folks from AOL. Some mm -hmm. folks from Yahoo. Mm -hmm. uh, you guys will definitely want to be there. Uh, you know, if you're interested in podcasting, and for those of you who have never heard Darren speak publicly, he is the most. I'm speaking publicly right now. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, guys, you just got a ton of material to work with tonight. You know, <laughs> you know what? We're just gonna, that was so oh, idiot. We're just going to kiss Oh, him. I am. Peace out. We're, we're, peace out. The lights are on and no one's home. We're going home. That's it. All right, folks. You guys have a great one. We will see you next time right here on Rainmaker. Rainmaker.